Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm a little tired. Um for regular listeners, you'll know sleep is <laughs> something I often struggle with uh, getting enough of um, and being super busy. But next week, I have a week off, uh, although it's weird how it happens, isn't it? You take a week off and then slowly things start to trickle in. But anyway, I'm hoping to spend some time next week having some downtime, taking some moments for self-care, catching up on sleep and, and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully, but <laughs> we will see uh, how it turns out. So yeah, so so I'm good, and we've just reached well uh, another big milestone. I guess we hit over two thousand listens, which felt like it came quite quickly after we'd hit one point nine thousand, and we're already at two point one. So it feels like it's starting to grow, and uh, more people are tuning in. So whether you are a long time listener, a new listener welcome. I'm, I'm so happy that you are here with us. And I'm really, really happy to welcome or int- introduce today's episode with Leah. And I record most of our, of our interviews several months in advance. Uh, so I think this was recorded in lock- when we were in lockdown in the UK a couple of months ago. And I record <laughs> quite a few interviews. And so I sort of obviously know what we've talked about, but actually listening back and there are so many topics that we talk about. And this was definitely one of those where so much stuff we we covered. And I've forgotten everywhere we kind of went in this conversation. And, and it was so much fun. Um, loads of stuff that we could have kept talking about. And actually, we did run over time a little bit. So apologies to Leah for that. And if it feels a little rushed at the end, we we're trying to get in all of the set questions um, and massive, massive thank you to Leah for joining me for this conversation. I'm not going to chat any more at the beginning, um, but I will be back afterwards. So let's dive straight in to this conversation. Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Leah, to the podcast. Leah, welcome. And if you could tell us a little bit about you. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm a psychologist specializing in sex and relationships education for adults. I work in Oxford, but basically with anyone who has internet connection and is open to learning about relationships, sexuality, and future-proofing their relationships and intimacy. I also run events that are social and fun, and you get together with open-minded people and discuss deep topics without shame, guilt, judgment, etc. And around this, I've built a really cool community. So everybody's welcome. And I also run webinars that are free and people can join and learn things. I often have guest speakers that are also professionals in the field of sexuality and relationships and work with people on a one-to-one basis as well. So plenty <laughs> that I do. And um, if people want to know more, they can find me online. 
Awesome. And I'm, I'm right at the end, we'll tell people where they can they can find you. Uh, so I'd love to, uh, in a little bit, hear more about your events. But I just wanted to pick up, so you said you work with adults around relationships and intimacy. And, and I wonder whether you find that there are a lot of people you work with who they've just not really learned about relationships really as a child. And so they're carrying a lot of I don't know, uh, limiting beliefs or lots of baggage around relationships because they've not really, as a child, had that opportunity to explore and, and kind of understand what, what they're all about. Yes, most people actually are not that good at relationships and intimacy, communication, that really comes into their lives in various forms. It comes out at work, it comes out with parents, with friends, and we're social creatures. Whatever we do, whatever we want, it's about relationships. So you can't build a business without being good at relationships building. You can't build a romantic relationships without knowing yourself and being open to learning and respecting other people. So it manifests in many ways. And in fact, many people are just not really prepared for the world when it comes to relationships and that's unfortunately down to bad educational rather no education for most people especially around the social skills and relationship skills because think about it we learn in school how to write how to read mm. how to pronounce things the right way anything and everything that the workforce would require us except what life would require us to know and that's why I believe strongly in introducing more life-relevant education in people's lives and focusing on their personal growth. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at, say, building a business, you know, knowing all about the marketing, the strategy, the this and that, if you are actually bad at relationships and you struggle to communicate with people and make sure that they understand you they're passionate about your project and so on we just need more life relevant education to help everybody in this mm. and do you work with people across relationships broadly or do you specialize in particular types of relationships um it's broad i think that everything that we need to know can be applied in every context of relationships it doesn't matter whether it's with parents partners in business at work even you know your enemies, you know, you still have a relationship with them no matter what. So it's general skills that are applicable to you, all sorts of relationships, I would say. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thinking about thinking about relationships and thinking about those skills, are there like a top three or, you know, however many important skills that everyone should think about developing if they want to have really strong, uh, positive relationships? Oh. Well, <laughs> the first and foremost one that everybody would tell you is communication. You need to learn not how to just speak, but how to communicate and understand the power of your words, the power of other words, um, and understand what people mean when they speak to you. And this is very difficult for a lot of people. But it's a huge skill. It has so many facets. It's huge. And it's the most important one out there. 
The next one is not so much a skill as it's awareness about yourself. What triggers you? What makes you happy? How you prefer to communicate with the world who you are and what's important to you. So this is more around self-knowledge and being who you are, being authentic. This is not something that most people can actually achieve because they're too afraid that if they are themselves, then then they're going to upset mom, dad, partner, boss. That if they're themselves, everybody would hate them or not like them. And this kind of self-doubt and lack of authenticity really harms us mentally, physically, socially, and so on. And the third, the third thing that's really important, in my opinion, is actually understanding other people and the world that you live in and what it means to actually be involved in things. So a lot of people say, for instance, lately we've got the huge protests in the States and in the UK around Black Lives Matter. And I've had so many people in my feed and around me say things like, well, we obviously need to do something about it, but it's not like we haven't made progress, you know? And I'm like, do you know how far we've actually gone? Because you're just expressing an opinion that is probably and unlikely based on actual knowledge, factual knowledge. Because if you actually look at how far we've gone, you'd see we've not really gone that far. So people who want to develop this awareness really need to invest in learning about other people, the world, how everything works. Because realistically speaking, it's all connected. We're all connected and we live in a system. And everything that happens to person A affects person B and affects person C. So it doesn't matter whether you are affected personally and visibly it still affects you you know and i can give you a thousand of examples uh, and even personal stories around that but that's my point we live in a system and if you want to be an aware person you need to understand how the system works yeah thank you for, for sharing this sorry yeah. for putting you on the spot <laughs> no it's, okay. it's very it's very interesting because i think obviously the awareness of other people and the understanding of other people. And I think sometimes with relationships, we maybe the perception is it's, it's kind of all about other people. But that second point about their self-awareness being really important, that knowing yourself. So you kind of have an awareness of yourself in relation to other people. Because uh, I think maybe that's something that people forget. They forget about who they are in a relationship or, or what's, what's important to them. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Oh. <laughs> Cat arrived. <laughs> Cat passing. Yeah, no, it's fine. I've had um, my dog, uh, I used to record downstairs and then occasionally you'd hear this dog scratching in the background and it'd just be this weird sound. And so I've now record upstairs and he's not allowed, <laughs> not allowed upstairs. Mm. So that's fine. Um, actually, that's a we could do a little segue into animals and relationships with animals because I find, and I don't know if you agree with this, that sometimes it can be really difficult to get what we need from people to kind of communicate what we need because we've got this real block around asking for intimacy or asking for 
physical contact or anything like that and I know at the moment it's maybe a bit more complicated if you're particularly if you're um isolating by yourself but I find and I've got a dog that if I need a hug and I for some reason I can't communicate that to the person that I'm with I can have a hug from my dog and it still has that sort of chemical reaction in the brain and it kind of gives that thing that we need and I also I look at my dog sometimes and I find that it's a really interesting way of understanding other people by thinking about him and his personality and all of that and I wonder if that's something that you've ever thought about or or kind of seen for yourself that sort of relationship with animals well this is not something that I see in my description usually but I am actually also a an animal welfare activist and (laughs) (laughs) I've been running an animal online platform uh, for my native country for about 10 years now and it's a peer-to-peer support platform where people can basically get help for animals that they found on the streets because we have a lot of strain animals and rescue them basically so my cat I rescued him from the streets and I've always I've always had animals at home um and this relationship is just not something that you can replace and the reason why a lot of people absolutely love animals is because animals unlike people give you unconditional positive regard and love your cat or dog is not going to be mean to you if you don't give them the right toy or whatever they're gonna annoy you but this is in no way going to diminish their feelings for you and how attached they are to you and when it comes to having pets it means that legit every second of the night and day you can get the cuddles and you can get the love and appreciation that you need And they come to you for their own reasons, you know. They want to feel loved and they want to feel appreciated. So it's something that cannot be replaced by human beings, you know. And in fact, if if I'm dating someone who's allergic and things, I'm like, yeah, we we can't think of a future together because I ain't giving up my pets for for a person. To me the love that you get from a pet is just something so clean and pure that no human can ever match it because we're mm. from a very young age a lot of people are conditioned to believe that love is conditional always and respect is conditional always and that is something that damages people immensely that if you are not a good boy or girl and don't get the good grades at school, then you're not getting this and we don't want to talk to you over dinner. Or if you're not a good partner or give me that or take me there, then I'm upset with you and I'm not sure how I feel about you anymore. You know, it's that kind of if-then idea that Mm. love is conditional. And so is respect as well. And this is something I can't stand, you know, especially when it comes to respect. So that's why a lot of relationships fail. And it's a typical story where a couple would have an argument. Let's say that they're a monogamous couple and they would not be in great terms 
and then one of the partners goes off and cheats. So if you enter that relationship with the knowledge, understanding, and the, on the basis of I'm entering this relationship and it's monogamous and I will not cheat, then what does it mean if you do? That you have completely disrespected your agreement and the other person. That when it's become difficult, you come out and nothing matters anymore. Not your respect, not your word and promise for them, not them, not the relationship because you're putting it at risk by cheating. So when we have this conditional love and conditional respect, you can't really have healthy relationships because that means if it's conditional respect, there is no actual respect to the boundaries, to the rules or, or agreements that you have created and to you. There's no respect to you if the other person disrespects you. And if it's conditional love, then you're always living in fear, thinking, if I do this, would they still love me? And that creates a hell of a lot of other issues and unhealthy behaviors like hiding, lying, which erodes trust, obviously, um, and feeling guilty about things maybe you shouldn't even, you know? You just didn't put this at this place and then you had to rush home because you forgot and then your partner will be like angry with you and then they will treat you like it don't matter and they don't love you. No, this is why I keep saying people, most people don't really understand what a healthy relationship is. And in fact, we have a lot to learn from pets about love mm. yeah I was just um I was thinking about my dog when when you were saying about their conditional love and I have a rescue dog as well we've had him two years and he's a little old man and he is starting to come out of his shell a lot more because he's more settled and and so he does something and I guess this is an illustration of that difference between love and uh you can love someone unconditionally and then still get a bit annoyed with them uh, about something they did and not liking something you did because he is stroppy and he will be like you have to feed me this way or you have to do this. And you can see sometimes he has a little grump with you and you can see he's, he's like, I'm not happy with you at the moment because you've not given him the uh-huh. treats the way he wants. Or uh, I went away for a couple of days and he had my partner at home. But I got back and he had the initial, I'm pleased to see you. And then he was, I could tell he was sulking. He was like, I'm still not happy with you because you went away for the weekend. And then there was a moment I could see where suddenly he was like, right, I'm over it now because then he came for attention. And so <laughs> yeah. there's still that love there, but he's still like, I'm not happy with the things that you've done. So I'm, you know, and I yeah. think that can be something for us to, that we can find it difficult to understand in relationships that you can love someone unconditionally, but still there, there might be things they do that you're not happy with, that you are annoyed with them at a time when you don't like their choices. But it doesn't mean that the love isn't there yeah I you're bringing up a really good point and I I do need to you know second you and say when people are annoyed with you it doesn't mean that they don't love you um but there are certain behaviors and certain reactions that make you feel like consistent consistently if you do not do this thing then I have less love for you less respect for you And it's felt, you know, it's felt on a very deep level inside of you. It's a matter of recognizing it, what it means to you. And there's a problem. Most people would not even 
be able to recognize when they're not loved unconditionally, but they're bullied into a certain type of behavior or lifestyle or whatever it is. That maybe, guys, says, I love you, but you have to do this, this, this in order to fit my box, you know, and tick my boxes, which is no, no good. Do you find that people who have had conditional relationships like this, whether that's with a parent, whether it's in romantic relationships, that if they then enter a more healthy relationship, really struggle with that adjustment? So if they've always felt that if someone's annoyed that they have to change, that they can can struggle to to bear that in mind that just because this person's annoyed with me at the moment doesn't mean they, they don't love me. Do you find that people kind of carry that that hang up or that way of seeing relationships, even if they're in a really healthy relationship now? Yeah. And the thing is that old behaviors and patterns will come up in the healthy relationship. And as much as the other person may be a great partner and supportive and unconditionally loving, all of these insecurities will come up and will also damage the other person because they'll be like, well, don't you trust me that I love you? And that would be basically killing the relationship and the good conditions that you've had from the get-go. And that's why I say it's so important to do more preventative work around personal growth and relationships because it's too easy to go through life with all of your past hanging all over your head and still go into the same patterns and same behaviors and continue to damage yourself and other people. And then, yeah, people go to therapy, but they are already scarred, you know, and all of that could have been avoided if people just got the opportunities in school, at work, on their own to invest in their personal growth and self-understanding and healing from past experiences that were not healthy, that completely damaged their psyche. So it does, it does come through. And it doesn't matter how secure of a partner you have. What happens is that it's a huge burden sometimes to hold a person with such a negative and difficult past. And it weighs you down, you know, for the healthy person. At one point, it may become too much. And that's when the relationship may fail. I'm trying not to generalize. I'm saying that this could happen. And this does happen to a lot of people. So if you want a healthy relationship, well, it takes two healthy whole adults to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, I guess partly it's that that self-awareness that you talked about of knowing your own stuff and, and what you're putting onto that, that other person. And there's something uh, I, I like to say, and, you know, you see that um, people in re- particularly romantic relationships will talk about someone being the other half and they can't live without them. And, and I'm like, no, because <laughs> I'm whole by myself. <sighs> And it took me a long time to get to that point to not like need someone. Yes. But I think my relationship has been so much better and happier when I've kind of gone, no, you don't complete me. I don't complete you. We're whole on our own. Um, it just feels it feels better. You know, it's that we want to be together, not that we need to, because otherwise, who am I without you? Because I just think there's so much pressure to put on another person. And I wouldn't want that pressure of <laughs> someone going like, you're the other half of me. I, yeah, hmm. I just, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with this point, but I just think that that saying of they're my other half, I just, 
do not like it because yeah <laughs> yeah same and when people have used the term with me and say where's your other half I'm like uh both are here I'm whole you know um I completely just correct people on the spot and do not let them continue thinking that I would continue with that cliche and that really unhealthy bullshit I'm sorry but it is <laughs> um and and the other thing that I wanted to say is like because I said, you know, you need two healthy whole people to have a healthy relationship. And I know this is utopic. Nobody is completely healthy in terms of psyche and body and all of that. But the problem is when people don't want to look as to how they can grow. And the way I like to build relationships now is looking at whether the other person is invested in their personal growth. And if they are, then I'm like, okay, that's someone that I can be with. Because if they just shove the past to one end and then yet come up with all of this past into the relationship in very invisible ways to most people, but I can actually see through a lot. Um, I see a lot more than most people do because, you know, my education, my expertise and all of that. If I see that they're not addressing how their past is influencing their present and they're not prepared to face it and be like, I need to deal with this, then I lose interest in building anything with this person. Because I know that whatever they have in their past that they have not dealt with, or the trauma, or the difficulties, they will bring into our relationship, and that would basically harm me as well. You know, it's like... You can't expect two people to not influence each other and their past not to come into the current picture unless they are prepared to face it, address it and say, okay, I see that this hurt you and I can see where it's probably coming from and I'm going to go address it and I would love for you to support me in getting rid of this mentality or this fear or this trust issue, whatever it is, you know. So it takes two to tango in a relationship and you need to be cautious of how your past is affecting your present and the futures of people. Mm. I think your um, your illustration there, it's, it kind of goes back to that respect thing you mentioned before, but it's that respect for yourself and knowing your own boundaries. And I think, and this is definitely where where my mentality was with relationships when I was younger it's all about does that person like me and it's all about that and, and we, I don't think we stop to think you know or maybe some people do but when you're younger it's you don't really think do I like them are they what I want I think sometimes it's do they want me and uh, and I think that's that's a healthy place to be in like you said of thinking is this a relationship that I actually want no matter how much you care about the other person is there too much that when I'm respecting myself and thinking about what I want from life, is it is it a good match? Mm, yeah. And the, the sad thing is that a lot of people uh, and a lot of women are just taught to accept what comes their way and not pursue what they want, especially when it comes to dating and if it's about heterosexual relationships, men. And I, I, I don't want to even go into unpacking this, but it's all about women's agency and discouraging women to have agency in relationships and actually be decision makers for themselves. 
And I've given this example a thousand times now, but I have a very progressive friend uh, who's a feminist and she's in her thirties. And even though she really believes in her choice and ability to go for what she wants, you know, she's very aggressive in her work. She always asks for promotion, all of that. But when it comes to men, she would be at a party, she would like someone and she would give them signals. You know, those that don't have a code to, like a Morse code without a book to learn from. Um, and then if she doesn't get the attention because the guy just didn't get it, she would perhaps just settle with the attention of someone else that she doesn't necessarily like that much. They will be okay for her. Otherwise, she wouldn't talk to them. But it wouldn't be the 100%, you know, of, yeah, this guy is my thing. And she'll end up going home with someone that she doesn't even like that much. But she wouldn't have the strength to go to the guy that she likes and be like, hey, want to chat? Want to have a beer together? Whatever it is. And there's the thing. Women, a lot of women, are brainwashed into just agreeing to and settling down with whatever is offered to them rather than be a go-get-it type of person. And that's very damaging because, as you said, for a lot of women, that just means, okay, he likes me, therefore I should try and develop things or whatever it is, rather than, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think this person is the right person for me right now. Maybe a few years ago when I was only into hookups or whatever, but I see that he's just one of those guys that, you know, plays the field and I'm not at that place in my life. You know, women, often women will try to turn that man into a project and convert him in what they want him to be. And I'm like, uh-uh. Why don't you just go and get the guy that's already where you want a guy to be for you to be in a relationship with him? Because it's not going to work otherwise. Yeah, that's not unconditional love, is it? No. Like you're, if I can turn you into this, then, yeah. <laughs> then you're it. Because that's completely conditional. It's like, well, you're okay, but what I really want is this other thing, which isn't you. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot, I mean, we could do a whole other thing about kind of societal expectations around gender and that kind of thing. Because I think that hopefully things are changing, but that idea for a woman of, I like that person, I'm going to go and talk to them and go after them. There can be this idea that oh. that's not the done thing. That's not feminine. That's not whatever. And I wonder if that's part of what holds people back is like, no, no, I, people should be chasing me because that's what's done. And I think there's so much around what we think we're expected to do. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's the whole thing around um, societal norms is that they're pretty ancient. And, and I mean it, I mean, before Christ type of ancient, and we haven't evolved that much from a lot of them. Um, I recently read um, a book called Sex and Punishment by Eric Berkowitz. And I even made a couple of videos that are reflective on the things that this book, you know, tells you about the relationship between men and women and women's rights back in the day. And it's just horrendous um, to even assimilate how much of ancient philosophy about women we still hold. Women were not trusted to go to court, even in ancient days. And they would be judged in court. They would be sent to death, but they were not allowed to appear in court and speak for themselves. 
And there was a whole association with if you are a man who defends a woman, you've been bewitched. Something is not right with you. You're nuts, etc. They basically reduced these men to the status of the insane, the elderly, the slaves, and they didn't take them seriously. So no man would stand up for a woman because his reputation was at risk. And to this day, we still have that along with so much more that I, I wouldn't go into, you know, if people want to check out the book, they should or check out the videos that I've made about it. But that's why I was saying earlier, people say we've gone such a long way. And I'm like, uh, uh, we have not gone, you know, far enough. Mm-hmm. from what is damaging, unhealthy, brutal, and ancient is treatment of people, of women, of the disabled, and so on. We just haven't. And one of the things that I appreciate is that we are changing the language. And I'm not always up to speed with the lingo, but it helps, but it's not enough. You know, we would make everything really politically correct, but are we making the system fair? Because out of political correctness, a lot of people just stop talking about female women's rights and about black people's rights and how they're pushed to the side, not given the same opportunities. So we need to be brave to challenge what is happening Mm. for other people, for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's that's really important that, uh, like you said, if you shut down the conversation, that doesn't lead Mm. to the systemic change that's necessary. Um, I know that if you're thinking about racism, that is something that I've been sort of reading up more about uh, to try and understand more. And this idea that for a long time in the UK, it was this idea that we couldn't talk about it because that would be racist in itself. And so if you're not talking about it, you're not changing anything. <laughs> just, let's just forget, let's just forget yeah. about it. And so, yeah, I think across any kind of discrimination, there's that you need to have those conversations about it. And it's not just changing the language, although that's important, it's actually what is real change going to look like? Yeah. And I guess um, just for for the sake of balance a little bit with the, the societal expectations, I think now we also have more awareness of the negative impact of that on men as well because of that, you must be strong, you can't talk about feelings and the impact that that has on mental health for men. I think it's just those expectations that are on you externally are negative, whoever you are, or they can be negative if you feel that you cannot just be yourself. Mm. And I'm um, becoming a parrot here, but I've been saying this <laughs> so many times lately on other podcasts, on my social meetups and webinars and whatnot. Um, but I'm preaching here. So um, <laughs> what I advocate for is to educate people on and, and bring up children to first be people, to first be human, not boys or girls, human. So what would that mean in having children is buy them all the toys, you know, give them all the colors. Don't put them in a box of pink and blue and cars and dolls. Buy them all of it. Teach your kid, regardless of gender, that it's okay to cry. It's all like to be sporty, stinky, smelly, whatever it is, that it's okay to like a certain thing that may not fit into a gender box because they're human. As soon as you instill that kind of confidence in a human being that before they are a man or woman, daughter, son, brother, parent, child at school, whatever it is, they are human. 
they will be okay with themselves, with their experiences, both emotional and physical, and they will be more secure in the world and in their relationships. So I keep preaching like nothing, like it's, it's the end of the world, but accept for yourself that you're human. Allow yourself all human emotion, all human desire. It's fine. And just dump whatever box everyone wants to put you in. Be you. Be authentic. Mm. Be what you are without the restrictions, norms, ideas. Just ditch them. Be human. Mm. So I guess coming back to that, the kind of conditional thing that for, for a parent, if they're sort of trying to put their child in a box or they're sort of you're a girl, you can't like whatever. It's a conditional thing, isn't it? That no, you're you're a girl, you're a good girl if you like this. So you're adding on those conditions or if you're just as a parent, you're my child, you're okay as you are, whatever you like is what you like. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, it's just such a different message that you're getting about yourself and about how worthy you are of, of other people's love. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that brings us back to conditional love and respect, you know, because if you respect people as human beings, and if you yourself have been taught how to be purely a human being, then you wouldn't laugh at someone for being, I don't know, for crying on a, on a sensitive movie if they're a guy. You wouldn't shame a woman for, I don't know, being into, say, a very violent sport and be like, oh, that's not ladylike. Oh, it's human-like. Humans like stuff like that. Thank you very much. So if you have that kind of attitude for yourself, accepting diversity and accepting other people being themselves, oh, my God, so much easier, you know? You're like, okay, man, woman, whatever. If you if that makes you happy and you're not harming anyone, cool, go with it. And, and that's the important thing, learning to just be human huge but hugely important Hmm. and I I guess uh, you know we had an episode a little while back now uh, on uh, we had a guest Ryan who is gender fluid and and we were talking about gender more broadly and I guess if you just see people as people without trying to put them in boxes it's a more positive I would Mm. imagine experience for anyone who doesn't feel that they fit into any of the boxes that society says there are there are so it's a a kind of healthier and more supportive environment for yeah people who are non-binary in in kind of whatever whatever way but again I'm sure we could just go <laughs> for ages on all of this go into we'll do a speed round for the uh <laughs> the set questions I ask everyone uh so my first question is what brings you joy in your life well after all that talk about animals I would say being with my cat is one of the massive things because I have him with me every day. And the other thing would be being in nature. Give me the mountains and the rivers and the beach um, as happiest as one can be. These are the things that really do bring me joy. Awesome. Uh, and so my next one is what makes life meaningful for you? Oh, um, learning, expanding, growing, contributing to the world in a positive way. I do a lot of things that I don't get paid for um, and I would be unlikely to get any recognition for, but I do them because I can see the benefit of them for other people, for animals, 
and that is more precious because it means it changes things for people for the better. So I think that is the meaning and purpose of my life, to just do stuff that are useful and helpful to others. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so my next one is it's a two-parter. Uh, so we talk a lot about mental well-being on, on the show. And so it is what does mental wellness mean to you and then how you look after your own mental well-being? Um, being content and being happy with what you're doing. And even if you're not exactly keen on where you are at life, at least be strong enough to work on getting there I think for me it's a measure of being well as to how happy I am in my life right now and obviously you can link this to depression um, as the one thing that I you know um, I'm specifying here but it's about a lot of other things you know existential crises don't come uh, when you know where you're going in life and when you're purposeful in your actions and so on and it's always with many other things so I would say being happy where I am this is a sign of mental wellness for me and if I'm not exactly happy be really strong to pursue where I want to be and there is a really good quote that I would insert here uh, that states if you're not happy where you are move you're not a tree so I really follow that thing that's great and so is there anything you do to sort of maintain that that uh, that feeling um yeah I always strive to know where I'm going in life and working for it I think that if I lose sight which I have in the past um I do need to go back to myself and to nature and to detach um a few years ago, I lost my idea, my purpose, and I just did what every person would do. <laughs> well, not every person, but a lot of people do try to do is I left everything behind and I hit the road and traveled solo for almost a year. And that reminded me of who I am, what I'm good at, what people seek me out for, and allowed me to escape the rat race and just focus on what is important for me and find my balance again. Being with myself, allowing myself the freedom to just be me, you know, outside of the rat race is what centers me. And in terms of maintaining it, I keep a very tidy life in the sense of relationships. So... If a person is toxic to me and not respecting me and not healthy for me, I'm done with them pretty quickly. Um, I don't see the point in trying to fix someone. As I said, I don't want to look at people as projects. Either we're good together or we can help each other be better in the world um, mm. or we are just not a good match and won't move on. So that's one of the really big things that keep me floating and not drowning yeah that's awesome thank you for that and uh, yeah I love that love the quote and uh, so the next one uh super quickly uh can you describe your own mindset Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry <laughs> I have no idea how to even begin to ex 
like describe that. Um, I think I'm very secure in myself, very confident. Um, that makes people think that I'm arrogant for some reason, because uh, I'm unapologetically myself and unapologetically confident. Um, I am not afraid of failure. I'm fine with it. I think that when people win, they don't really stop to evaluate what they did right to get there. But when you fail, you do stop and think what went wrong and how you could improve and so on. Um, and I'm fine with a lot of things that most people are not, you know, because I've just worked on it. I had the right conditions in my life to develop these abilities. Um, but I think I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty independent. Um, and I go through the world with a can-do attitude. I'm not one of those that shrugs and goes like, well, this is how things are. No. I'm like, this could be better, and I'm going to work on it to make it better. So, yeah, I don't settle for mediocre and bad. I go change it. Not people, though. People are not projects. Causes, bad legal systems, um, you know, abandoned animals, that's part of the system, you know. I can work with that, and I fight for, for the things that I believe in. So... I think this is like this is a huge question. I can't really go more into it without extending it to an hour um, of just talking about how amazing I am. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, kidding. Um, but yeah, so that's that's me as much as I can come up with in a minute. You know, in terms of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so next one is uh, one to, th- and I think already people have got some amazing uh, ideas and uh, and things to think about from this. But do you have between one and three tips that you would leave people with of things they can try or put in place in their life? One is invest in your personal development as you believe you should be in your professional. So if you've put tens and thousands of pounds into your education in order to have successful career, Put as much into your personal development and grow so that you have happy relationships and happy personal life, not just professional life, but personal life. This is one massive tip. Um, another one is if you could really focus on what matters to you in life and pursue it. People do a hell of a lot of things that really don't actually amount to much value in their life, such as buying ba- buying expensive cars and going on luxurious holidays. But is that what's going to fix your relationship or your ego or anything? No. It's personal development that matters more. I know, be kind and try to work for things that really matter in the world because that would make you feel fulfilled like that's look at all the billionaires okay they were self-centered they build an empire and what in the end they have a ton of money and they're wondering what am i supposed to do with that and they turn to good causes that make them happy so why not do that every day of your life it doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or not you may never become one so what are you waiting for do good now. Be kind now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much.
Yeah, no, they're, they're great. And this is the very last question is where can people connect with you if they want to find you, if they're interested in working with you, finding your webinars, uh, all of that, where can they find you? Easy. One word. Google life sex pits and you would find everything about me and about my business. And I'll also provide the contact links, etc., to Hannah to put in show notes, mm-hmm. etc. So find them there as well. But yeah, if you Google life sex pits, you would find me everywhere. So that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And absolutely. We'll put, uh, put links in the show notes uh, for people to find you there. Thank you so much, Leah. And sorry for going over. I honestly was loving talking to you. <laughs> so thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. So thank you again to Leah. And as I said, we, we really went everywhere. And a lot of those topics we could have spent a lot of time on, I'm sure. Um, the one that, that I really wanted to just come back to was this idea, the unconditional love we talked about a lot. And I think that is really, really important. And also this unconditional respect. And it's interesting, as I said, this was recorded a few months ago, but I actually had a conversation yesterday, so Friday, about this idea of respect, um, particularly in the context of education in schools. So my background as a teacher, sorry if you've heard me say that so many times, but there's this thing in education where teachers demand respect and often, not always, but with some teachers, they, there isn't that reciprocal respect of children and this idea that children have to earn respect and and then you have children who feel that they are not being respected feeling that maybe there is nothing they can do to earn that respect and having that breakdown in the relationship. And it's uh, having a conversation about the the problems with the education system. And actually, I think in a professional setting as adults, we, we sort of take for granted that there will be that reciprocal mutual respect. Um, Maybe it's an unconditional but it's kind of a given that people will respect us in our professional capacity or people will respect us as a person. And we are really offended and, and hurt and, and all kinds of stuff when we are not respected. But in education, there seems to be this this thing where sometimes children have to earn that respect. And we don't go into a workplace and think, well, well, I could be generalizing, maybe you do, but kind of go in and think, well, I'm going to have to really earn respect in order to be treated as, as equal or as human. And anyway, this is something I could I could talk about a lot <laughs> about education and about um, children, young people's mental health and, and all of that. But I just think it's, um, it's a really interesting thing to think about. And uh, the person that I was speaking with said about a, a situation where a child said to the teacher, the teacher said to them, you know, you're being disrespectful. And the student said, well, you're not respecting me, you're being disrespectful to me. And the teacher sent them to detention. So there wasn't a conversation of why do you feel like that? What does respect look, look like to you? Like a possibly really interesting conversation that is disrespectful to challenge not being respected. Anyway, I got off my soapbox. <laughs> um, but I'd, yeah, I think this idea of 
unconditional love, unconditional respect is a really interesting one to think about. And from this conversation, I think what I'm reflecting on is the relationships in my life and the people I care about and whether the love that I'm showing them is truly unconditional. Am I accepting them as they are? Uh, as I said, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be things that annoy me and irritate me, but am I accepting the whole package as they are or am I trying to change them or I love you even though or I love you but um you know and I think it's an interesting thing to consider for yourself uh in, in all relationships including romantic relationships and we kind of covered a lot of different uh, dynamics in this conversation so I really hope that you've enjoyed it and that you found it useful I would love to hear what you think about it so feel free to drop me a message at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I hang out all of those to more or less <laughs> lesser degrees. And if you have enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the show, please do rate, review and share it so that more people can discover us. I'd love to keep seeing those numbers uh, numbers grow. It's very exciting. Um, and hopefully you you get some benefit from from the podcast, uh, from from what we talk about, whether it is a broadened perspective, seeing things in a different way, considering things slightly differently, increased self-awareness, some sense of support or hope or whatever you get from it. I, I hope you get something from it. I definitely get so much out of doing the show. Um, so yeah, and we have a slightly different episode on Wednesday. It is a solo episode. Uh, about depression so it's uh yeah it's been a little while <laughs> since I've done a solo episode uh, so please do join me on Wednesday for that hope you have a good couple of days and I will speak to you soon take care